What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Uh, before we get there, we need to do a little bit of administration, a little bit of organization of thought, a little bit of house cleaning, if you will. And so before we answer the question, I want to share with you two quick truths about the question. Here's the first, okay? Truth number one, okay, you need to know that, that praying in the name of Jesus is biblical. All right. It is biblical. When we say, well, wait, why, why do we pray in the name of Jesus? We pray in the name of Jesus because it is biblical. It's a biblical thing to do. I've got uh, four scriptures I want to show you and share with you real quick. And here's the first John 14, uh, 13 and 14. Jesus speaking. He says, and listen, I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it again. John, John 15, John 15, 16 says, you didn't choose me. Uh, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Okay, keep reading. John 16, verse 23 says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I, I, I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Again, John 16, 26 and 27. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that you'll ask the Father. Uh, I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believed that I came from God. And so, so listen, clearly, we just start here with this first truth. Clearly, uh, praying in the name of Jesus is a biblical thing to do, all right? So we kind of get that. It's biblical, okay? But here's the one maybe you don't get, all right? Don't want to freak you out here, but here's number two, second truth. The phrase, in Jesus' name... Or, in Jesus' name I pray, or, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, that phrase is actually not found in the Bible. Okay? That's not found in the Bible. And so what we're saying is praying in Jesus' name is biblical, but tacking on in Jesus' name as if it's some kind of magical incantation that forces God into action is not. And, and what that means is that there's got to be something more to pray. Now, listen to me. If you close your prayers in Jesus' name, I'm not telling you you can never do that again. That's not what I'm saying. But just understand what it is and what it's not. Saying in Jesus' name I pray doesn't mean that, boom, okay, God has to act now. And I, I've, I've said the magical incantation. And here's the deal. When Jesus is teaching us and telling us, you need to pray to the Father in my name, he's not saying just tack on in Jesus' name. Because if you say those magical words, God will be forced to act. And, oh, by the way... As an extra benefit, it, it'll give you an exit strategy, right? Because that's really what in Jesus' name is for us. It means we have run out of things to say unto God. We're going to say in Jesus' name, amen, and we can move on and eat, right? Okay, that's not what Jesus is teaching. Now, hear me. If that's not what Jesus is teaching about praying in his name, then there's got to be more to it. And so we turn to the scriptures and we search the scriptures and we ask our Father and we say, God, I want wisdom on this subject Lord, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? That's the question we're going to answer this morning. Three things for you, okay? Here's the first. Number one, praying in Jesus' name means praying by his authority. Praying in Jesus' name means praying by his authority. And I want you to see this. Just kind of follow along in your notes there. Fill in some blanks, okay? Uh, let's look at this together. To come in the name of another person means to come on their authority. And the second half is really important. The second half is so important. You should write it down, put a star by it, highlight it, underline it, recircle it, get a tattoo. Okay. It's kind of a big deal, right? Okay. 
To come in the name of someone else, okay, means to come in their authority and not in your own. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. When you, when you think about praying in the name of Jesus, it means that we're, we're going to come in somebody else's authority. We're going to go there in their authority and not on our own authority. And I'll just share with you a little story about this in my own life. I, a couple years ago, um, some, some people that I, I dearly love, uh, they gave me a lavish pastor's appreciation gift. Like, you know, usually have Pastor Appreciation Munch and get, like, get cards and they're all wonderful and I save all your cards and I keep them in a desk drawer for when I feel like I'm a... Never mind. Um, we're in church. Uh, so so when, when I feel like I'm not doing so well, I'll pull those out and I'll read those. And I'll be like, oh, God bless you people that don't know up from down. And I'm glad that the Lord has, has makes me do this in your life. I'm an idiot. But anyway, uh, so, so um, to these people in our small group, Pastor Appreciation said, you know what? We want to do something special for you. So before I know it, I get a call from Ed Whaley. And he says, listen, you need to mark this day and we're going to go do this thing. And, and then he had to give me some details without letting me in on it. He said, well, just dress kind of nice and bring your golf clubs and I was like oh, okay so so he picks me up we drive to Bryan Texas and and we pull in like we pull in um, to the Maramont Country Club right and and man when you pull into this place like it's as swanky as it sounds right I mean it's like you pull up and you see it and there's like this mansion there and you're going oh dear what am I because listen I'm a redneck golfer you know what I'm saying I mean when people say like 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 some people say I'm a scratch golfer that means they're really good no I'm a scratch golfer like I scratch the surface of everything as I'm trying to hack away at it you know I'm like hey hey my ball's not in the fairway Ed are you cool can I just kick that over there and hit from there five times before I can get on the green it's not it's not good so you pull up to to this place and before you get I don't know how they they must have surveillance cameras at the stop sign when you get out of your car there is a guy pulling up in a cart to meet you hello sir how are you can I take those clubs he takes the clubs would you like me to clean them I didn't know you cleaned clubs I didn't I didn't know he's got a little brush and he's cleaning them and they're all shiny I said like, oh that's how you get the stuff out of the little crevices of the wedge thank you sir right I thought he was going to put my shoes on for me I had no idea and so we get there and we play beautiful course oh my stars it was amazing I got par on the first hole I, it, it stunk after that but I got par on the first hole and uh uh it was it was just beautiful we got done we come in the clubhouse would you like to join us upstairs Come on upstairs with us. We're gonna you have something to eat. I was like, okay. We get done eating. Hey, have you gone down to the pro shop yet? So no, haven't. So we go down to the pro shop. They say, hey, any of these shirts back here? Uh, just pick what you like, and it's yours. I'm like, okay. I don't have a golf shirt, you know. I'm, I'm like wearing whatever I got from Old Navy, and and uh, you know, and uh, and so I, they give us this shirt. We get home. They put it in this beautiful bag. I get home. I look at the price. Eighty five dollars, like for a shirt. Like that's that's my whole wardrobe. Eighty five dollars. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I that is crazy. And I was just like, wow. And so here's the deal. I, I just here's the deal. That whole experience, we were there on someone else's authority. That whole experience, we were there, we, we were literally given the name of someone else, and we went there in their name, and we literally pulled into the parking lot, and the guy meets us at the thing, and we said, we're here in the name of so-and-so, and that was it, man, and we were done, and they took care of everything else. Now listen, Ed Whaley and Jason Huddleston had no right to be in that place, amen? <laughs> we had, we had no, we did not belong we had, we had no right to walk on the property. We had no right to play the course. We had no right to sit down and, and eat the lunch. And we had no right to walk out of there. We were free gear. We had no right. But we were there on someone else's authority, not our own. And it made all the difference. 
And you know what? The same is true with prayer. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we are coming to God on Jesus' authority, not on our own. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're coming to God, not not as outcasts, not as foreigners, not as aliens, but we're coming to God on the authority of Jesus, and we're coming to God as children and, and citizens and heirs of God, and it makes all the difference in the world. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And so when we pray, we come to God in that authority. That's how Peter can look at the crippled beggar outside the great gate beautiful. And you notice Peter doesn't look at the guy and, and you know, the guy's asking for money. Peter doesn't look at the guy and say, listen, silver or gold I don't have, but, but, but what I have I give to you freely. In the name of Peter the fisherman, get up and walk. Because the guy would stand there and go, you're a joke. But he says to him, listen, silver or gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you freely in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And on that authority, the man jumps to his feet completely healed and runs into the temple, jumping and praising God, the scriptures say. It's on Christ's authority and it makes it makes all the difference in the world. The same is true for us when we pray in the name of Jesus. That's what we're talking about. It's prayer made on the authorization of Jesus Christ. Right. Just follow me on his authority. Mountains move right on his authority. Not on, but on his authority, mountains move right on his authority. Like lame people walk on his authority, on his authority, blind people can see and on his authority, dead people are brought to life on his authority. And when we pray, we pray in his authority. You see it. If you want to know why, 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 why prayer is so powerful, why it works, because we're praying on the authority of Jesus. What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? It means praying by his authority, not our own. And it makes all the difference in the world. Number two. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? I love if you like if you like praying in his authority, you're really gonna like this, all right? Here we go. Praying in the name of Jesus means coming to God in in his stead, in, in, in the stead of Jesus. You don't know what that word is, I'll explain it to you here. Um and, and just keep that slide up there for a second. I'll tell you when to go to the next one. Okay. So, so when, when we come in another person's name, uh, we, we come in that person's stead. And I hate to use the word place, but that in essence is what it is. It, it's coming in, in another's place. And say, you can't, I can't come in the place of Jesus, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the term uh, maybe account. I, I, I come on someone else's uh, account, but here's the gist, okay? Let's, let's look at this together. Fill in these blanks with me. When you come in another person's name, the person that you come to is expected to react to you as if the person who sent you was there himself. That's what it means. That's what it means. When, when you come in another person's name, you come in their stead. And then when you come in their stead, it means when you go and you knock on the door and the person answers the door, they act unto you as if they're acting unto the person that actually sent you. That's a huge deal. That changes, that, that changes everything. In other words, they have to treat you as they would treat the one that authorized you to come. You know, that's what happened to us when we went to the Maramont. Like, we weren't guests. We were like members. <laughs> it was awesome. And membership at that place has its privileges, brother. Like, it was... We were treated as full-fledged members. And, and again... That's what we're talking about with prayer. When we pray in Jesus' name, we actually come to the Father. Get this. When we pray in Jesus' name, we actually come to the Father to be treated as he would treat Jesus himself. When we pray, we come to the Father 
and can expect to be treated as God would treat his own son. And some of you say, well, Pastor, that just doesn't seem right. That, 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 doesn't, that seems too good to be true. God knows I'm nowhere close to Jesus. There's no way that prayer works that way. That's, that's not accurate. Let me just prove you wrong. Let's go to the Bible. Figure that'd be a good place to turn. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at it together. We'll be in Ephesians 1 and Romans 8 if you want to mark both those places. If you get there, Ephesians 1. I just want you to listen to how blessed we really are. Ephesians 1. I'm going to start in verse 3. Uh, Ephesians right there after Galatians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Get this, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us, get this, to be adopted as sons through Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Adopted as sons through Christ, Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 says. Now let's look at Romans uh, chapter 8 together. Turn back just a little bit. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse uh, 14. I'm going to read 14 through 17. Romans 8, starting in verse 14. says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God, get this, are sons of God. For you didn't receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his future glory. It says sons of God that we receive the spirit of sonship. That word literally means adoption. And it says we're heirs and that we're going to share in his glory now. Now, many of you are unfamiliar with the adoption process as I was up until just a little bit ago. So when we got to adopt faith here uh, just a couple months ago, man, our worlds were radically changed. And uh, and, and kind of a crazy process and kind of things. But I'll, I'll cut to the, my, 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 one of my favorite parts other than the day of. And she becomes my daughter. And I'm thinking, that's cool. Um, when you adopt, birth records are changed. Okay, so so we 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 got um you know we we first we got in the mail I got an insurance card and it said Faith Elise Huddleston I'm smiling I was like that's cool I'm gonna put that in my pocket that's my daughter, but then the big thing came in it was her birth certificate, and so her birth certificate came in and and, and you hear me so my daughter was born in the hospital and I wasn't there and it's the only only child that I wasn't there at their birth and it felt awkward right because I knew there was a hole. <laughs> And so my daughter was born at the hospital and I wasn't there and she was given a name and I didn't get to be a part of that process and, and all those kind of things. But when I adopted her, she became mine. And, and when she became mine, her records were changed. All right. Completely changed. And if you look at her birth certificate, it has her name, which is Faith Elise Huddleston. That is her name. And you look at her birth record and you see the day that she was born. And though I may not have been present, brother, the record shows that I was because I am her father. It says Jason Huddleston and Hope Huddleston is her mother. And her record was completely changed. And friends, I'm here to tell you that when we pray, we come to God in the name of Jesus. Jesus and we come completely changed. Our record has been changed. We come in his stead and God treats us as if he would treat his own son because that's what you are. 
You're no longer who you were. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. His name is now on your birthright, on your birth certificate. God's name is there as your father. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It means that we're praying to God as his dad. We're coming to God as our actual, real, loving father. The one who has adopted us and brought us to redemption. Who's broken our chains of generational sin. Who's called us unto his own. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It means to pray as a son or as a daughter. To come before God knowing that he loves us as he loves his own son, Jesus. It's a big deal. <laughs> Lastly, praying in the name of Jesus. Ah. Uh, means praying in a way that is consistent with his character. Praying in a way that is consistent with his character. So um, it's a sad thing today that names don't mean as much as they, they, they should. Uh, it used to be a big deal just even a generation ago that, that uh, you know, people were known for being a man or a woman of their word. And, and when you thought about a person's name, you, oh, well, that's an honorable man. Oh, well, that's an honest man, right? Oh, well, that's a good man. It was, it was, a, big, it was a big deal. Um, it seems like we don't care about that quite as much. But, but names used to be even more than that. And so, in fact, in the Old Testament, your name kind of summed up who you were. And, and let's just look at a few examples, okay? Like Abraham. Abraham, literally God gave him that name, right? And Abraham meant, meant father of many. Okay, and that's who, that was God's promise unto him. You're going to be the father of many. Your, your, your descendants are going to be more than the stars in the sky. That's who he is, right? Uh, Moses. Uh, Moses means deliver. Not deliverer. It just means deliver. That's, that's the literal Hebrew meaning of the name Moses. And you, you see, of course, God uses him to deliver his people. David, beloved. Right. Man after God's own heart, somebody that loved God, you know, in, in a way that we, we read the Psalms and we're like, oh, my gosh, I want to love God like that. And that and David loved God like that. And he was loved God, uh, loved by God like that. He was beloved. Right. And that's who David was. What about Jesus? What about Jesus? The name Jesus or, or Yeshua or, or Joshua, however you would pronounce that. Uh, Jesus means God is salvation. God is is salvation. And that's wrapped up in, who, in, in, in his name. Proverbs says this, right? Proverbs 22.1 says, A good man is more desirable than great riches. It's just saying, listen, somebody's name envelops their whole character. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're doing the same thing. And we're praying in the name of Jesus. We're praying, in, in essence, uh, uh, in, in, in line, in step, uh, if you will, Talk about being in step with the Spirit. When we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying in step with the entire character of who Jesus was and is. And you say, well, I, I don't know that. Well, I say, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Whole New Testament. Some Gospels there. Told you a whole lot about Jesus. The epistles tell us a lot about Jesus. You, you can read about who Jesus came to be. Read Isaiah. Some of the prophecy written about him. Um, and, and, and this is what we find when we study Jesus' life, right? The, the heart of Jesus on display, uh, that, that he loved God. Jesus loved God with all of his heart, right? I mean, he perfectly lives out, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your spirit. Like, he perfectly lived that out. He loved God with every... He wanted to please his Father more than anything else. And, and you kind of look at Christianity today, and you wonder what's broken, and I, that's right there at the top, right? That's at the top, that we don't want to please God more than anything else on the face of the planet. We want to please ourselves more than anything else on the planet. And then we try to fit God in there somewhere. 
Jesus perfectly loved God with everything that he was. And so you start there. So when we pray, we should pray out, out of that great love and affection for God, wanting to, to please God more than anything else. That should be at the heart of our prayer life, right? And then we see that, that Jesus loved people. And so when we pray, we should be lovers of people too. And yet I would say to you that we live in a world today that we've isolated and cut ourselves off from people because we've been hurt by people. And so we just say, well, I'll just buffer myself a little bit. And I tell you, that's false Christianity. Because Jesus never buffered himself off from anybody, but he gave himself fully unto everybody. That's the call of Christ. And so, so if we want it, you want to pray in the name of Jesus, you pray as a lover of people. Pray as a lover of people, right? And, and then we go on, what about the glory of God? Jesus lived his life for the glory of God, right? And you think about the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but your will be done. God, glory unto you, right? So we pray, we pray consistently with that for the glory of God. But get this, lest you think that Jesus wasn't honest. We also pray our heart. We, we, we speak honest things under our dad. And those honest things in, include, think about Jesus. He said, take this cup from me. Before he says, your will be done, he prays, take this cup from me. He, he's being honest. He said, I don't want this. This is too much for me. I'm overwhelmed by this. God, I want you to take it from me. I'm hurting. We can pray those honest prayers too. And so, so when we pray in Jesus' name, we, we bring all of that to the table, right? You just, just kind of fill in some blanks with me, right? So what that means then, at transformative speaking, that praying in, in, in the name of Jesus is praying in a manner consistent with Christ's character. And when we pray in a manner consistent with Christ's character, that, that does not eliminate praying for self-need. It doesn't, because Jesus prayed for himself, but it should eliminate praying for self-greed. Talk about praying in the name of Jesus. We, we, can, we can tell God what we need, but we shouldn't be praying in, in, a, in a manner that's greedy, that's selfish. That's, that he says, you don't have because you don't ask, and when you do ask, you ask with what? Selfish ambition, selfish motives. Ah, and so we want to we want to avoid those things. So that's what it means to pray in Jesus name. Now, listen. All right. So that's the easy part of the sermon. That's what the Bible says. OK, we could just stop right there and say, amen. Everybody goes home and we had a good time. Unfortunately, the hard part of the sermon is living and walking that out. So what does that mean unto you? Um, and I'll just I'll just walk you through my week. And uh, and so here we go. Number one. Uh, it means, first and foremost, that we need to run to God in prayer, especially when we feel like a failure. You said, what, what are you talking about, Pastor Jason? OK, here we go. I'm watching the time tick away is what I'm watching it do. Uh, there'll be a line at Morelia's no matter what time we get out. OK, so run to God in prayer, especially when you feel like a failure. Um, and, and I, I want to do something a little different this morning. Um, and I pray we do it all the time, but we're going to intentionally do it this morning. I, I literally want to destroy um, one of the enemy's greatest tools. One of the enemy's greatest lies, we know that, that Satan is a liar and a thief and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna line the sucker up and we're gonna destroy it with the truth of God's word. Alright? You guys ready for that? Alright, so, so here, here, here it comes, man. Um, here, here's the truth, and then I'll put it up against the lie. The truth of scripture as we've studied it is that we don't come to God on our own account. We don't come to God on our own authority. Amen? You guys believe that? Okay, so we don't come to God on our own account. Alright, we don't. But here's the lie of the enemy. Okay, so when we fall and when we fail, okay, the enemy points to our account, right? And says unto us, you can't come to God that way. 
You see that, you broken sinner? You, you can't go to God like that. You're a failure. You're a fraud. You're a phony. You're probably not even a Christian. You need to go get saved again. You better get dunked for the 15th time, right? You fraud, failure, phony Christian. You can't pray unto God. Now, here's the deal, but here's the thing with Satan. His lies are always half-truths, aren't they? Because half of that's true. We can't come to God in that condition. But the other half of that is we can't come to God in any condition. We don't come to God on our own account. That means that you don't go to God on your own account in victory. And you don't go to God in your own account on defeat. You always go to God on Christ's account. That's the truth of God's Word. And friends, that is freeing. And what that means is when you feel like a failure... And you feel like you've just lost it. And you Don't be ashamed. Don't hide your face from God. Run to God. When the enemy tells you, wait a second, you're a phony and, and you can't go to God like that. You look him in the eye and you say, in the name of Jesus, you are right. I can't go to God that way and I can't go to God my way. I can't go to God on my own account, but I'm running to him right now. I almost said a word I shouldn't say in church. Um, I was telling him to go back to hell where he came from and it popped in my mind something else. But, but you just say, and you, you say to him, listen, in Jesus' name, you go back to hell where you came from and you run to God with all that you are because you're running to him on Jesus' authority, not on your own. Boy, Christians, if we get this, it's, it's transformative. It's transformation. It, it will change the way that we live in this world. It's huge. It's huge. Okay, number two. We need to expect to be treated as a child. We need to expect to be treated as a child. Um, man, this uh, this stuff, and this is how it is. So I study all week, and I'm writing little thoughts down, and I have you know stuff, and I was having some struggles this week. And in the midst of working through this, it just it just hit me. I was like, okay, God, I'm such an idiot. Like, I, I literally, I had to stop and just, and pray. I was like, here I am, I'm studying prayer, and, and yet here I am. I, I honestly was in one of those moments, that I was like, well, God doesn't care about what I'm going through right now. I mean, there's bigger things, i got to figure out what to say to the people, and the church, and the, and the thing. And, and, and it was like, God was like, idiot! I love you, my child, but you're so stupid sometimes. I'm here! I, you, you're my child, crawl up in my lap. And man, I'm telling you, I just had one of those Jesus moments in my, in, in my office where I just got to go up and in the midst of all the stress of life, I just kind of got to crawl up and say, Dad, Dad, here's what I'm struggling with. And I know that it's stupid and some of it's silly, but it's consuming me. And I got to say amen and I was done, man. It was like a whole, there was deliverance, there was freedom, there was, there, you know, I, I mean, there was contentment. All of that stuff was there. I, I struggle, but I've got to remember that I'm family. He adopted me. He changed my birth records. He's done the same for you. He's changed. So when, when you feel like he's too busy for you, my friend, he's never too busy for you. How many of you have multiple kids? Multiple kids. Anybody got multiple kids? Anybody have multiple kids? Your husband can count, by the way. If you have one child and a husband, you have multiple kids, right? So, so multiple kids, right? How many of you have multiple young kids right now? You have multiple young children. Come on, raise your hand. I'm looking at you, Paul. Don't, don't just shake your head. Raise your hand. We're participating in church this morning, right? So, 
When you have multiple young children, what you don't understand as a parent is that they're one team and that you're another. Because we want to think we're all on the same team. But these guys, I tell you, when they, they get up in the morning before their alarm, ever, before your alarm, say, I get up at 6. No, they were up at 4.30 having a little meeting in the bathroom talking about their strategy for the day, right? And, and this is what they come up, they're like, listen... Man, dad was up late. I'm going to get up at six. All right. And when I get up at six, I'm going to ask for waffles right away. And I'm going to whine if I don't get them. Okay. Now you come in at six thirty asking for something different after dad starts cooking. Right. Then you whine about that and you throw a fit. And then the third one will come in and say, I don't want to eat at all. My stomach hurts. I mean, you figure that out. Right. And then they have another meeting around lunchtime and and figure out their dinner strategy. Right. You know, dad's going to be tired at about eight thirty. And when he comes in, they listen, when eight thirty, when the lights are out, we're supposed to already be in bed. Let's do this. I'll get up and pee first. Right. That'll be me. Now, you get up and ask for water, right? You get up and ask for water. And then the third one, you come tramping in and say you need something to eat, right? Because you didn't eat at dinner, right? Because this is the strategy. And they figure out the whole plan, and then they attack so efficiently. Maybe that really doesn't happen. It just is in my head. But here's the cool thing. There is a look that a son or a daughter can give a parent. That it doesn't matter how frustrated you are as a parent. It doesn't matter how angry you might be. There is an innocent look that a child can give you and shoot you. That it does not matter what in the world is going on. That you will drop everything and you will pick up that child and put them in your lap. Amen. We've gotten those looks from our kids sometimes. Sometimes it's a look of fear. Right. And no matter what's happening at that moment, it doesn't matter how frustrated you are. You've got my full attention because you're mine. Friends, I love you. I'm going to tell this to you in love. You have his full attention. Will you just look at him and show him your sincere need and then crawl up in his lap and share your heart? That is the privilege that we have in prayer because we are sons and we are daughters, and our very birth records speak of it. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Here's the last one. Uh, probably the biggest prayer uh, I've ever prayed in my life next to um, accepting Christ. Uh, ask Jesus to give you his heart. Uh, Brandon Heath has that song, Give Me Your Eyes So I Can See. You know, give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. Uh, man, listen. We talk about praying uh, Christ's character. There, there's one prayer that stands out for me. It's the prayer of, of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And what does he pray? He's honest with his dad. Dad, this is what I'm struggling with. I don't want this. But then he says something. He says, but not my will. Your will be done. Right? He said, I want your heart. Guys, the most transformational prayer in my life was this prayer. I'd been saved for about a year. I knew that God had called me in the ministry. I was fighting it and struggling it. I didn't want that. I mean, I, I, part of me kind of, but I, I mean, I, I was, no, we're going to do this. We're going to have money. The church will be okay. It'll just be whatever. And, and God got hold of me and broke me. And, and, and uh, the, the, the night that I prayed this prayer, my life uh, turned good. <laughs> I already had a lot of blessings, but man, it was just God opened the, the floodgates. The night that I came before the Lord and I said, okay, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And I actually let go. It's transformational living, okay? That's my challenge for you guys this week. I've talked long enough. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, uh,